Hello, one and all, and welcome to the podcast we call The Fantastical with myself, Steve Nussbaum, in the podcast where I invite my guests to come on, talk to me all about their musical tastes and experiences, and also collate their fantasy festivals, which I have christened Fantastivals. Episode number 34 now, the second one of 2021 and what an absolutely superb guest I've got for you in this episode. I'm delighted to say joining me all the way from Sri Lanka, an absolute cricketing legend who made eight centuries in 71 test matches and not only that, he's also an accomplished songwriter and musician. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Mark Butcher. Hey, now there's a build up. So I'll be, uh, be doing my level best to try and live up to <laughs> Good to see you. Good to hear you. Mate, likewise. And like I said, joining me all the way from Sri Lanka. So you've been watching cricket for most of the day. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I sort of came out here on the... I arrived on the 5th, the very early hours of the 5th, having been met by hazmat-suited um, officials and everything being disinfected as we got off the plane at a PCR test before we were allowed sort of to immigration. Then 10 days uh, locked up in a hotel room, literally not able to go outside or had our meals left at the door. And then that my, my quarantine ran out on day one of the test match, um, which started, what, yeah, where are we? We're on the, what day is it today? 15th is my eldest daughter's birthday today. So the game started yesterday on the 14th, and that was my first first time I stepped outside for, for 10 days. So, yeah, it's, it's been good. At least it's warm here anyway, mate. That's all I can say. It's, that's that's the, uh, the, the advantage of being here and not... Back in uh, back in Blighty. Yeah, I can imagine it's very cold here in the UK. So I, I always start the podcast with just asking everyone generally, just how are they? It's been a really tough couple of months um, for people. So how have you been, Mark? How, how have you found the whole kind of last few months and lockdown and and every, everything that's happened? Yeah, it's kind of been surreal, really. Um, you know, yeah, like everybody. I mean, perhaps not like everybody. You know, I, I, I got to a point during the first lockdown whereby. Um, I would, you know, we were running out of money. I know some people, it, it, it only takes missing one payday or one Friday, one weekend if you haven't got paid and it's a big problem. But I had sort of, you know, a few months, months sort of stashed, stashed up, but you're always waiting for extra work, work to come in. I'm freelance, so I work for, you know, whether it be for TalkSport or for Sky or for um, production companies overseas. Um, and you just, you know, it's very, very rare that you kind of have... The, the work just stops. Um, obviously, the, the cricketing world came to came to a standstill. I had gigs lined up all the way through um, uh, April and, uh, and and sort of May to to get out finally and tour the album that I released back in 2019. Um, but they obviously fell by the wayside as well, and so I kind of found myself panicking that another two, maybe another two weeks of that first lockdown or whatever, or another two weeks without any cricket at least, I, I was going to run out of cash. Um, and then fortunately the West Indies agreed to come over and um, you know, I got a gig with Sky hosting the, the, the debate show, the sort of chat show post days play and test matches um, remotely from home. And it sort of saved my bacon really and then I, you know, I worked pretty much solidly up until the end of October and then um, and then nothing again until where are we now? Well, 2021 aren't we? So <laughs> it's just been bizarre. We've got a little three-year-old at home, my wife and I, um, Claire, and, um, you know, that's been a challenge as well because the, the, the kids kind of require a lot of entertaining, don't they? As, mm. as people know, some people have got more of them running around of that age than I do. And I, and I have every sympathy with them for that because it's very, very tough. 
So you mentioned um, you were going to like you were planning on touring the latest album, which I listened to uh, this morning, which is a great album. So if you've not listened to it, go and check out um, the album on. It's, I presume it's on all streaming spots services. Mark, I listen to it on Spotify. Did you? Did you? Right. You owe me a few quid then. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. Yeah. It's all. It's all. Yeah. All streaming. You can download it from from anywhere. There are vinyl, vinyl, and um, CDs uh, as well. If you're inclined to pick up the physical stuff. Yeah. Called Now Playing. Um. It was released on Man in the Moon Records last year. In, in uh, I think it must have been July. July 2019. And it's gone down really well. And uh, I'm pleased you enjoy it. Yeah, it was really good. And you mentioned you were going to try and go out and tour the album. Is that still the plan once music gigs are able to recommence? Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, we don't know. Nobody has any idea as to when things might open up a little bit more again. Um, and by that time, I might have, you know, what with lockdown and everything, one of the things you can do is spend a bit more time writing more songs. So we've been writing and recording um, remotely pretty much ever since the first lockdown. So I've got... I've got 15 to 20 tracks to be whistled down again to, to, to perhaps release another album. So who knows, by the time everything's opened up, I might have, might have even, more, even more material to sort of go out and play. So we shall see. That sounds absolutely fantastic. So like we alluded to, I gave you a big introduction, and I'm sure most people <laughs> listening will know who Mark Butcher is, but for the uninitiated who might not know who Mark Butcher is, tell us a bit about yourself. Um, wow, okay, well, I, I had uh, a 20, 20 year career um, as, a, as a professional cricketer at, through, with Surrey County Cricket Club. I signed my first contract at the age of 17, made my debut for England in 1997 against Australia in the Ashes. Played four Ashes series, one none. But was involved in a, in a couple, I mean, in that time, in that time, I think. I think we played 21 Ashes Test starting um, June, June of 1997 through to um, the last Ashes series, which was which ended in January 20, 2003. And in those 21 Test matches, I think we only won five of them. Wow. Um, so they were they were a heck of a team back then, and uh, and we were kind of struggling from stumbling from one one new dawn to the next. So yeah, I mean, in that time, we we won five five games out of out of the uh, out of all those test matches. Um, and I guess you know, if, if people have a cursory knowledge of, of Ashes cricket or you know have an interest, I, I, I made hundred and seventy three not out to win one of those five test matches um, against Australia at Headingley back in two thousand one. So that's probably the, the the thing I'm I'm most known for for those who uh, for those who have a, a little bit of cricket knowledge. So for me, I see you as a cricket man and a music man. But for you, what came first? Was it the cricket? Was your first passion, or was it the music? And and how have you managed throughout the years to kind of intertwine the cricket and the music? Yeah, I, I, it, was, it was probably cricket first. I mean, I my dad played for for Surrey. Um, he played one Test match for England in nineteen seventy nine. So from you know from the time I could stand, really, I was swinging, you know, those little signature bats around and. Um, I think it was the, the only thing that I really had any serious interest in doing all the way through school. Um, I loved sports of all kinds. I played, played a lot of football, tennis, rugby, you name it. I had, you know, had ball skills and hand-eye coordination. You kind of play, play pretty much everything. But cricket was always the main thing. Um, and as far as music was concerned, I mean, our house was just was full of music all the time. I had a big record collector back in the day. 
Um, uh, my mum absolutely adores music. She's she's from sort of Jamaican extraction. Her parents came over um, in the Windrush in, in the 50s um, from Jamaica. She was born in the UK. And so we just, the music was on, on in the house. Uh, the frightening decibels for pretty much from <laughs> throughout my life as well, of all styles, you know, from, from sort of heavy rock like Deep Purple and things like that, to reggae, jazz, soul, um, you know, so I had a, a pretty good education in all things um, music whilst I was growing up, as well as the cricket thing, so they, they ran side by side, I guess. So you've mentioned just now, like, lots of different music variations going on in your house when you were growing up, but what music mm. now do you listen to? Is there just one genre you're interested in, or are there, ma- are there many kinds of genres there now that you listen to? No, no, I mean, I've, I've been in, um, so in lockdown, you kind of realise, oh, you, you've got so much time in your hands, so I've got the, I've got the laptop with me and iTunes up, and you're just kind of picking through albums or just letting the thing, um, you know, d- decide for you what, uh, you know, d- doing those those long shuffles and stuff. And so, you know, I've, I've, had, I've had sort of deep jazz albums on by Charles Mingus, I've been listening to the Style Council, I've been listening to... Um, uh, all, all kinds of stuff. We just had James Brown on before you called me. Uh, um, the, the, the Beatles, um, Neil Young, you know, you name it, just go everywhere. So Steely Dan, all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, Kate Tempest, uh, that album that won, that won her an award back in 2015. I listened to that in its entirety a couple of days ago. So, you know, just jumping around all over the place. Uh, I think that all music is just endlessly fascinating to me. Um, and particularly, particularly stuff that's got great lyrical content as well. I think um, as you get older, maybe you start to listen more to the, to the perhaps to the meaning or the poetry in the, in the words, perhaps as, as opposed to the beats as you <laughs> as you dance moves slow down a bit. So, um, uh, so you know, always interested in great songwriters and great lyrics as well as great groups. So, yeah. yeah, I get that. I, I, in the last episode, I. I always ask people what they're listening to currently, and I'm, I've been listening to the new Ryan Adams album, and there's a song on there oh, called. Mate, I, I love Ryan Adams. Oh, yeah. he he's my go-to, and he had a new. I don't know if you've heard it yet, Mark. There was a new album uh, yeah, no. last month. The third track called "When You Cross Over" is about his brother who passed away, and it literally made. I was working at the time, and I had to stop working and put my pen down because the words just got to me, and it just stopped me in my track. So if you haven't listened to that yet. Definitely oh, go and track that out. Yeah, it's a great album, well worth a listen to, because um, I'm just all over it. I've also been listening to Leonard Skinner because I watched their documentary on Sky Arts. Um, oh, I've not seen that yet either. I'll check that out when I get home. Yeah, good watch, really good watch about you know obviously everyone remembers Free Bird and Sweet Home Alabama, but there's a lot more to them, and that plane crash is just absolutely tragic. Um, is there anything yeah. kind of that you keep going back to? at the moment uh, you obviously mentioned um, quite a few artists just now but is there anything that you literally keep going back to at the moment or whether that's new or old I think it's something that's quite old it's something that I wouldn't have listened to at all when it first came out um, uh, Imperial Bedroom by, um, by Elvis Costello and the Attractions um, it's just a, an extraordinary record very very moody uh, and the, the writing is just is fabulous. But I, I love the fact that you like Ryan Adams. I took my old man to um, a concert of his at, uh, at a Hammers, Hammersmith Apollo not so long ago. And um, I, I'm not sure that, that my dad, I mean, dad loves, loves his music, but I don't think he'd really sort of got into or, or, or listened to Ryan Adams before. And I remember, I don't know if, if he was playing 
Tinkle 2 or um, Everything Changes. Uh, and so both of us sort of looked at each other at the same time. We both had tears in our eyes listening to it. So, you know, we've had the same, a, a similar reaction to his stuff over the years. I know he had a bit of an issue, didn't he? And sort of, he's perhaps not treated the women in his life very yeah. well. So he disappeared for a little while. Um, but I'm really listening, looking forward to uh, to listening to this track. I mean, he's a he's a massive fan of English music, isn't he? Songwriters, he's sort of yeah, anything to do with like um, Smiths. Yeah, he's all over it. Yeah, but I, I just think he, he writes his. You know, they they can appear inconsequential if you're not paying attention. But I always I just think they're genius. His writing, um, the way to make simple things um, incredibly memorable and and, and interesting. Brilliant. As someone who likes both Ryan Adams and Brian Adams, there's always a lot of confusion. It always makes me laugh between between <laughs> between, <laughs> between the two. <laughs> so you're a few years older than me, so not that much, but a few years older than me. So let me take you back then, probably to the early 80s, to the mid-80s. There's a young Mark Butcher. He's bowling around, probably bowling around Croydon with some money in his pocket or, or around the areas surrounding it. So do you remember buying your first record or what your first record or single was that you bought? Well, I, I remember sort of, it, it would have been around about the end of the 70s and early 80s when I was, you know, eight, nine years old and sort of saving up a few quid and going down to WA Smiths and buying and starting to buy um, singles. Um, you know, they were 90p or something, you'd go down and buy a, buy a, buy a single. I, can't, I don't know which one was the first, but I do remember having a little collection I had. So this would have been 80 one or 82 I think I remember having um, Beat Surrender by The Jam their last single which was, a, which was in a gatefold sleeve I mean it was incredibly posh for a single it wasn't just you know your cardboard with the, with the label sticking through it was a real they'd made gone to a real effort of, of making this thing look really special I remember having that I remember buying um, uh, Adam and the Ants Prince Charming uh, <laughs> on cassette from Woolies uh, and, and, the, and the key to that was that I'd been given a few quid by my mum to go and get my dad a Christmas present. And I knew he absolutely hated Adam and the Ants, but I thought <laughs> if I gave it to him, I'd end up, I'd end up getting it. So I, I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, I can't, you know, it's difficult to remember. I remember giving away, I remember giving away a bunch of, of, of singles. I had I had probably 30 or 40 singles in the end, you know, with things like Spandau Ballet and God, you know, God knows what else. I remember giving them to a girl that I liked, sort of, um, around about 1984, 85, maybe, and I've regretted it ever since. Didn't get me anywhere <laughs> either, so, <laughs> so my, my memory's a bit hazy, but I do. I, I vividly remember that um, that that jam single. Um, There's been many, was, many a story it a, told. It was a work of art. <laughs> many a story told on this podcast <laughs> about first records and unrequited love, um, giving people <laughs> first singles away. But there you go. It makes us the men and the women we are today. So this podcast is all. I wish I still had it. <laughs> probably pick it up on eBay for a pretty penny now. Um, so this podcast is all about you collating your own fantasy festival. But as a music fan, did you or have you been to many festivals, or are they not really your thing?
um, and saw, uh, I can't remember now, now, see how good it was, I can't remember who the was there. <laughs> but it was one of those, you know, it was one of those sort of daytime thing, and there were lots of kids running around, and it was kind of quite, it wasn't sort of, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll by any means, and there were, there were obviously different tents, you go in and listen to some jazz and some um, whatever, some sort of more laid back stuff, and then the, the main stage, I, I remember, I think we split sort of just after the sun went down um, and missed out. It might have been Shaka Khan, actually, he was headlining that night. So, but I mean, it, it wouldn't be my, my first choice as the way to go to go see a gig, I suppose. I mean, a gig that I remember with with, with unbelievable fondness was with the same guy, that, that, that Pete. Um, he bought us tickets to go and see the Black Crows up in town. Um, it was at the Forum, I think. Uh, and they had um, they had Mark Ford back playing, playing slide guitar. And I remember, I think I'd been there before to, to see another band and remember thinking that the sound was awful and it was just like, just, it wasn't a great, wasn't a great night. I remember getting in there and, and they were on unbelievable form. It's pretty recent, I don't know, four years ago probably. Um, and um, Chris Robinson's voice was incredible. The sound mix was unbelievable. The guitars kind of like smacked you in the chest. And you had, you know, old hairy old bikers and kind of bloke in, blokes in mod t-shirts and, and tracksuit tops and stuff all arm in arm sort of singing and, uh, and uh, singing along the choruses to some of these black crows tunes and I just thought it was one of the best nights ever it, you know they, it wouldn't have been a band that I'd have gone oh, I'm going to go out of my way, way to go and see even though I've got one or two of their albums from back in the day but it, it just stood out as a bit it just sounded fabulous and the vibe was great um, and so those sort of sweaty mid-sized places you know three five thousand people that kind of always perhaps a little bit preferable to being out in the open where the sound's generally rubbish and people aren't paying any attention <laughs> <laughs> yeah I agree there I mean me and you I think we've got quite similar music taste I've seen the Black Crows a few times I remember seeing them at Brixton Academy about 15 years ago and it was about quarter to eight and the lights went down and I was with my friend Andy who, who's been on an earlier episode and we thought the support band were going to come on and the Black Crows just bowled out and they played for about three hours it was phenomenal yeah. a great yeah. band Great live band. Yeah, I, I would definitely go go back and see them again if they ever make it back. I know that I think I read somewhere that they would they kind of got back together again and they might be uh, they might be uh, back on tour again. So that'd be great. I'd definitely get so you can go and see them again. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So Brixton Academy, you just mentioned. I think my first the first gig I ever went to was there. I think I saw um, and it was James Brown. I remember seeing again Hammersmith Apollo. I saw um, uh, Chuck Berry when I was probably 15 and oh, wow. Brixton Academy I saw James Brown uh, and I can't remember which one was which either one or the other was my first ever gig um, and uh, well James Brown was better than Chuck Berry put it that way superb gigs to go to both absolute <laughs> both legends James Brown has been picked for two previous fantastivals but Chuck Berry's never been uh, in a lineup yet as it stands have there been any gigs for you that stood out for you as an artist that you that you just look back on and go wow that was just so unbelievable that you um I, I, there was there was one um that was at we played earl's court we got we had a little bit of um we played this gig as a four piece back in it must have been 2010 or 2011 um after i'd released my my first record songs from the sun house and that album was very very kind of um blues soul orientated kind of I've been listening to a lot of Al Green and Robert Cray and people like that um, and we, we got this I, I don't know how I managed to pull it off got this gig at playing at the, the, the Great British Beer Festival at Earl's Court um, big stage at, sort of at the back of the hall and you know we started playing and there would have been 
having two or three hundred people sort of milling around in front. And then as we got into the got into the set, the place just absolutely packed out. You know, there were thousands and thousands of people standing there. Um, I say thousands and thousands, probably fifteen hundred. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but it seemed like a lot to me at the time. Um, and uh, you know, it's not that it's not a gig that they pay to come and see. They're there for the beer and whatever. But we met, you know, we obviously yeah, we're having a good night. And the sound was good, and, and people sort of came and came and, and, and stood and watched. Um, and it was one of the first gigs I think I'd done as a four piece. So I was the only guitar player on, on stage. So I was a little bit. I remember being quite nervous before before the start and having to sort of carry all of the, the guitar parts and the, and the vocals and everything like myself. And I remember it was, it was fantastic. It went great. I ran out of CDs. I didn't take enough merchandise with me, and I ended up sort of having to turn people away and without <laughs> without being able to sell them one. Um, and I also met Adrian Ed- Edmondson because Adrian Edmondson and his band. It wasn't bad news. Um, it, it, we're up playing after us, and he'd always been a hero of mine from um, from the young ones days. So it was a pretty cool day. I remember remember us wandering into uh, into West London. And I, I saved a, a, a cigar for the occasion. Um, I got from Cuba. I remember sitting in this rooftop bar, smoking a, smoking a cigar with my guitar and amp next to me, uh, <laughs> thinking that was rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't get much better than that, my friend. Doesn't uh, get much better good. than that. <laughs> so there's a bit of musical facts there about Mark. Also, when I was kind of doing my research on you, I've read that Eric Clapton has noted down your material as being great stuff yeah, yeah no, I mean I've, I've met Eric a, a few times now we kind of uh, he's a he's always been a, a big cricket fan he was he was big pals with Ian Botham and Elton John um, uh, and the English sort of travel around with the England career team a little bit in the 80s and I met Eric at a dinner um, uh, I the guy who was running the dinner was a very eccentric fellow who used to manage Eric back in the uh, in the 70, early 70s with Derek and the Dominoes when he was with RSO Records called David English who happens to be a, a huge cricket fan runs a thing called the Bunburys it's like a celebrity cricket team and Eric used to play and Bill Wyman used to play and all this kind of stuff so David knew that I'd, uh, Eric, I'd idolised Eric since I was a kid and so he put me next to him at this dinner Eric turns up and I, you know, he's late and I've been sat there just thinking, what the hell am I going to say? I'm quivering, you know. <laughs> and he, sat, he sort of sat down and he knew I was a cricket fan, you know. So that kind of put me at ease immediately. And I just, so I turned to him and I said, um, listen, I, I probably need to get this out of the way now so we can enjoy the rest of the dinner. I said, but I, I kind of love you. <laughs> <laughs> and he just laughed. He just laughed and that was, it was great. It was great. The ice was broken and we kind of had a, had a nice chat. And ever since then, whenever I've run into him, um, since he's, you know, he's either come over and said hello or whatever and just seen how we're going. So the, the thing with that was I sent him a copy of the first album and uh, it got to him through his publisher or whatever. And he sent me a text back. Um, great stuff. Love your vocals. EC with a, with a little bit, um, smiley emoji with the sunglasses on. And that's still one of the coolest things I'd have in my possession. That's awesome. I mean, that's, that's very high praise indeed. That's a, that is very cool. That is very cool. I'm glad to hear that Eric Clapton's a nice guy because sometimes you hear some some stories about you know meeting like your idols isn't all you envisage it to be. So I'm glad Eric Clapton was all you envisage him to be and just a nice guy generally. Yeah, yeah, just a just a yeah, nice fella. Yeah, excellent. So let's move on then with the aim of the pod, which is all about getting Mark to collect his fantasy festival. 
So Mark can choose any five acts, one of whom must play one of their studio albums in full, plus an encore, which all five acts can perform together at the end of Mark's Fantastical, which can be any song by any artist ever recorded. So it's very simple. Five acts take five time slots. So as an example, in the last episode of the Fantastical podcast, I had on Paul Johnson Naylor, and he collated his Tomorrowland Fantastical as follows. In his opening slot, he had an artist called Michael Cassette, who played from two till three o'clock. In his super second slot, from half past three to half past four, Paul went for Craig David, who made his fantastical debut. From five to six, in his midway master slot, Paul had Michael Jackson and had him play his album Bad, and followed that up in his pre-headline slot from half past six to eight by having Daft Punk appear. And then in his headline slot, from half past eight to eleven, Paul selected The Prodigy, and for his encore, that one song, Paul selected the, the song from The Goonies. The Goonies are good enough, which was originally done by Cindy Lauper, but he had all his five acts perform that song. Paul is obsessed with The Goonies. I had that predicted for him. He's obsessed with The Goonies. I knew they, I knew they would feature somewhere. Uh, and he also had it take place at Cannon Beach in Oregon, which is the beach where The Goonies end up. Um so out of every song in the world, Paul stayed true to his roots, didn't go for anything cool, or, you know, he went Goonies are good enough, which I can only, only commend him for. So that, that's the way it all works. Any five acts, any song, any album. And we, we're going to have the pleasure of Mark to late his right now for us on the podcast. So a very important question coming at you first up, Mark. What are you going to call your fantasy festival? Absolutely, no discrimination. Butchfest has announced that Mark, you can take us anywhere in the world. You can take us to Selhurst Park. You can take us to the Oval. You can take us Old Trafford. You can take us anywhere you desire to Sri Lanka, anywhere in the world. So, where are you going to hold Butchfest? Oh, okay. Antigua. Um, so what, why Antigua? Yeah. So why is that going to be the well, venue for Butchfest? And is well, there a particular place? It's one of, it's one of my favourite... It's, it's probably my favourite Caribbean island, and, and I apologise to my to my ancestors and my, and my grandmother for not picking <laughs> Jamaica instead. But I just kind of... I, every time I go there, I just kind of feel, I feel at home for some reason. It's just a, a, a great place, very underrated place. Um, I also fielded for three and a half days while Brian Lara got 400 there, so I kind of feel like I, I belong to the uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, a little bit. And we could do it at the Antigua Recreation Ground, which is which is kind of derelict now. They don't play cricket there anymore. They've built a new stadium, the Sir Richard Stadium, out of, out of town. But um, Antigua's a really vibey little town, and um, you know the ground, we could do it all up and make it beautiful. Because they always used to have these big sound systems in the ground where the, where the test matches were on. Um, place was called Chicky's Bar and the guy would sort of climb up and down the, uh, in, in drag, climb up and down the, 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 uh, the stands and, and shake his bum at the, the poor English tourists who weren't quite sure what was going on. But after an afternoon of inhaling um, split smoke and drinking red stripe, they, were, <laughs> they didn't care. So, <laughs> so that's where we're going to do it. Um, and uh, 
kind of, I'm happy with my venue. I was thinking about doing it in Croydon. There's a place just up the road from where I live, um, Farley, Farley Common, very, very small um, little village. It's got like a 13th century, um, 13th century um, church, which is still standing not far away from it. And it's sort of a land, piece of land that's never really been used for anything properly. And I thought, you know, the artist school would come and stay at my gaff and do the washing up and stuff. Um, but I just thought, sunshine, we need sunshine. We're going to guarantee so we're going to go to Antigua. Love it. New country for us and a new venue on the Fantastival. So let's go to Antigua. So before we get cracking with your five choices, and I appreciate how difficult it is getting to five choices because there's so many acts you could choose from. Are there any acts that you want to mention or talk about who mean a lot to you but just for some reason or another just haven't gotten to the five acts? haven't made it. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's tons and it's just too many to mention. But as soon as you sort of say something's a festival, you always imagine a certain type of yeah. fight, particularly if it's outdoors. It kind of needs to be up, doesn't it? it needs to, uh, or, or it needs to hit you in the chest. The sound can't be kind of, um, or, the, or the summons can't be introverted or reflective or whatever. And so, um, you know, I, I love Joni Mitchell and, and, and Bob Dylan and, um, you know, all those types of songwriters. Um, mentioned Elvis Costello before. Uh, Jeff Buckley is one that I kind of I wrestled with trying to get in because his album Grace is, is one of is still one of my favourites to this day. Play it you know, at least at least twice a year, um, even though I, I played it to, to absolute death through the nineties and early two thousands. Hmm. Um, oh, blimey, you know Led Zeppelin. I went to see Led Zeppelin. I I got a chance to go see him in the in the reunion. Oh, did you? Whatever it was, two thousand seven. I got a ticket to that. Wow. Which is because I because I became friendly with um, John Bonham's sister, Deborah, who's an unbelievable singer in her own right. Um, and that came about when I was recording the uh, the song um, that I wrote for Ben Holyoke back in, in back in 2003. It's just amazing the way that my life and cricket and music have kind of had this, they just keep bumping into each other and, and leading me to meet these people. So Deborah managed to get me a, a, a ticket to go and see Led Zeppelin on that occasion, which was which was kind of a dream come true. It also was kind of a tiny bit of an anti-climax because I don't know if you've ever been to the O2 um, to see different people on different nights, mm. depending on where you're sat, you can either yeah. hear everything like as clear as crystal or it's like mud. Um, and where where I was, where my ticket was, it was like mud. Um, <laughs> and I had Liam, Liam Gallagher sat in front of me, I think. Oh, no way. Uh, yeah, and in the crowd, and various, and all we could hear was the drums, all we could hear the Jason, which might have been, you know, which might have been the way that John would have wanted it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned the song that you done with for Ben Holyoke. Um, I, I again listened to that this morning. That was a really moving song. That was called "You're Never Gone," right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I sorry, we did that that version. It was recorded like as a charity single, raise money for um, the Ben Holyoke Foundation. And then I re-recorded it again on the on the on the first album, it's a different arrangement and uh, whatever on that. And yeah, I mean, and, you know, it was it was it was such a rough time for the you know, for the team, for Surrey County Creek Club, for, for all of us in our own personal ways. And um, yeah, I mean, it was just something that we all kind of uh, sort of brought us around him and uh, together at the time. So, I, and I played it. I remember playing it um, solo at. Um, at Southern Cathedral for the uh, for the memorial service, which was again was another one of the more terrifying things you'll ever do in your life. Um, with his parents standing in front of me and, wow. and his brother, so you know, just um, yeah, bad memories, but, but but good things came of them, I suppose. 
Yeah, that can't have been easy. Kudos to you for, for, for being able for being able to do that. It's amazing that. So you've obviously mentioned some huge acts who haven't made it into your five. So let's start talking about the acts who have made it into your five. So Butchfest announced Antigua Recreation Ground sold out. Sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. It's two o'clock. Time for your opening act. So Mark, who's going to take the opening slot at Butchfest? Okay, so um, uh, here are mine and been with me throughout my throughout my music buying life. Um, is, uh, is is Paul Weller. And um, I was thinking about having him sort of circa 94, 95, um, around just after Wildwood had come out. He, was, he and the band he had then with him with Yolanda Charles on bass and Steve White on drums were just absolutely on fire. Um, but I'm going to go for I'm going to have the Style Council. Two o'clock in the afternoon, we're going to have a few, you know, a few sort of uh, Bossa Nova style beats. Um, walls come tumbling down, shout for the, shout for the top, just to just to get things moving um, out there in Antigua. Um, and, and he has to be in it because, ever, like I said, I've got that the, the beats are in the single that I gave away back in '82. No, it would have been after that. Um, the Star Council, who I probably at the time didn't really appreciate a great deal. I was kind mm-hmm. of I was listening to more hip hop and and rap and, and things like that in the mid in, uh, sort of mid '80s. Um, uh, but I've kind of since gone back and thought, wow, I mean, I kind of, I, I get it now. And then all through um, uh, Paul's career as a, as a solo artist, you know, I've, I've sort of followed that, all of his ever-changing moves through that as well. So he has to be there, he's coming, and um, he will be opening Butchfest. Amazing, amazing. I mean, he's such a consistent artist as well. Like you said, you know, he was in the jam, disbands the jam, and he does the Style Council, which is a completely different sound. And then once yeah. they break up, then, you know, I mean, that was like, a, well, his first solo album was like early 90s, I think. So, it was, yeah. you know, as, yeah. We, as we sit here 30 years later, still still producing albums. I, I One of my guests was in the last year, a girl, a woman called Joe Topping had Weller as her headliner. And apparently he's already got the next album ready. Like it's done, it's recorded. And this is after he released something last year and he's already ready to go with the next one. Trying, to, trying out new things, right? That's what, you know, the modernist kind of po- point of view. And, and for some people, it might sound like he's, he's always going backwards or, or, or pulling from the well um, uh, from sort of, you know, the, the, the late 60s great pop tradition of small faces and Beatles, etc., etc. But, uh, you know, I, I don't see it as that. Maybe the stuff that he's doing is new to him every time. It might not be new to everybody else, but. Mm. Um, you know, I, I still think that some of the writing, obviously the, the, the writing in the jam, some of the writing in the Style Council was just, just out of this world um, in terms of, you know, the social commentary and, um, you know, the sense of humour, which not, not everybody thinks that, that Weller has much of one. Um, and then the sort of like the, the more personal that things became with the, with the first solo album and Wildwood and, and Stanley Road, um, that, all of that 90s output and the early, early 2000s was just is fabulous. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything that, that he wasn't in because it would be hypocritical of me to leave him out. <laughs> <laughs> so, what a way to open up your fantasy festival! Paul Weller opens up Butchfest, so he'll play from two till three o'clock. We'll have a half hour break. That'll take us to half past three. Then it'll be time for your super seconds act. So, Mark, who's going to play in your super seconds act? Um, I never saw, never saw this woman, but I wish I had. Um, and she's still the, the, the greatest singer of soul and gospel that has ever lived, and that's Aretha Franklin. 
Great choice. Great choice. Second up. And, you know, you, you, can, you can sort of close your eyes and hold your hands in the air and just be swept, swept away with, with a singing piano player who's incredible. The band was likely to be, you know, people like Bernard Purdy playing drums for and things like that. It's kind of the band would be epic. Um, and, um, and away you go. That would sail you, into, uh, sail you into the late afternoon. What a voice. What a voice. Any, any particular songs you would want to hear by Aretha Franklin? Obviously, everyone knows Respect and RSPECC. Yeah. Are there any other songs that you would that have to be heard? I, I, when I think of Aretha Franklin, I always think of That's Respect. But I always think of Fink from the Blues Brothers, which is just an absolute, <laughs> such a fun tune. Yeah, great fun tune. I mean, things like I, 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 I've never loved a man the way that I loved you. Mm. Um, and uh, Border Song, which is it's something I always ask if I go, get asked to go on a radio program every once in a while, so I'll pick five or six tunes to go on. And I always say um, Aretha's version of um, Elton John and Bernie Talkin's Border Song. Um, it's just it's just so epic. If you've not heard it, once we've done this, get on Spotify and, and listen to it. It's just the most incredible vocal performance. So I'd have her play something like that too. But really anything, you know, she could sing she could sing the uh, you know the the flight leaving list off of the, off, of, off off the arrivals board in, a, in an airport and it would be fabulous. So um, yeah, great choice, great choice. So Aretha Franklin makes her fantastical debut first time she's been picked. I think she's been mentioned a few times before, but first time she's been picked. So she'll take up the super second slot at Butchfest. She'll play from half past three till half past four. That'll take us to five o'clock. It'll be time for your midway madness act. So Mark, who are you going to have? play in your Midway Madness slot? Um, Midway Madness, I mean, it, 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 uh, you don't want to be following this guy, generally speaking, but I thought, he's got to go somewhere, and I'm going to have him play an album in its entirety, so I'm going to, again, never saw him, um, wish I had, wish he wish he hadn't passed away far too soon, but I'm going to have Jimi Hendrix play Axis, the whole of Axis Boulder's Love in the Midway Madness um, slot. Great choice, great choice. He's been picked... I think this is the third time um, he's been picked at the Fantastical. So why Hendrix? Is it for his guitar playing? Is it for his songs? Is it for the band? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all of it, really. Um, the, obviously, you know, it's just known as the, a, a man who revolutionised the sound and the, and the way the guitar was played. Um, and that, obviously, is appealing to me. I, I you know, got my first guitar when I was 11 or 12 and started to to listen out for and, and, and listen to guitar players exclusively to try and figure out what the hell they were up to. Mm. Um, but, but I also think he was massively underrated as a songwriter um, and as a singer. You know, he, he sort of based his... He, he didn't have much of a singing voice as far as he was concerned. He kind of... He took great solace in the fact that his favourite songwriter, Bob Dylan, wasn't a great, you know, singer um, either. But, that, but it didn't sort of matter in terms of the the way that you were able to get things across with your voice. So, you know, the, the full thing, I mean, what, and a, a great showman as well, so you've got mm. the, you know, the whole package there. And I thought that, you know, people always sort of think about Jimi Hendrix's record albums or whatever, and you'll go to the double album, Electric Ladyland, or you go to, oh, you experience the, you know, the first thing. But I always thought Axis Boulder's Love was it's just a, a, an incredible piece of work. Um, there aren't any, there aren't long extended jams on it or anything like that. They're, they're all very, very concise pop songs with incredible um, imagery in the vocals. Obviously, the guitar plays out as well. Yeah. Um, but it's just, a, I think it's just an incredible piece. It's a, it's a piece that stands on its own. And, and you can, you know, at any time, any era, it works because it's, it's just something magical about it. 
superb choice. And you're probably right there. He probably is underrated as a singer and a songwriter because when you think of him, you just think of him and just the whole guitar playing effigy that he was at that time yeah. because he was yeah, just absolutely. sensational. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah Fantastic. So what a first three acts so you have got Weller, followed by Rufa Franklin, followed by Jimmy Hendrix. Style Council, yeah, excuse me. Yeah, Style Council, Aretha Franklin and Jimmy Hendrix. So three down, two to go. So now it's half past six. Now it's time for your pre-headline act. They're gonna get slightly longer, they're gonna get half past six to eight o'clock. So who is gonna take your pre-headline slot? David Bowie was one of those who, an act who didn't get picked till like the mid mid twenties in our episodes, and every week I was thinking it's amazing that David Bowie hasn't been picked. And I think out of the last ten episodes, Bowie is now I think this is the fourth time he's come up in a fantastical, and obviously it marks the date we're recording this marks just past the five way point of when he passed away. Um, so why so why David Bowie for you? And is there any period of Bowie that you want? Because there's so many different Bowie periods that you could have. Great. Makeup, silly suit, doesn't make any difference. 
<laughs> Great choice. I'm, it's funny that you should say when he, when he passed away that like you burst into tears. I remember going into the office. It was a Monday morning, I think, if I remember rightly. And I just remember that there was such a strange aura, in, even in the office. Obviously, I'm lucky enough to work in a place where lots of, there are lots of music fans and lots of people absolutely adore Bowie. And it felt almost, it felt so such a sad feeling just in the entire office. And even like around the world, like you just saw so many people paying tribute to him. A really sad day. But what memories we've got of David Bowie. What an artist, like you've said. So many, yeah. so, so many albums and eras and influences that he's gone on to, to have in the world. So his memory will always be remembered. So he'll take up your pre-headline slot. He'll play some... So he'll take up your pre-headline act slot. He'll play from half six to eight o'clock for an hour and a half. Then that leaves time for just one more act. Who we're going to get two and a half hours. They're going to play from half past eight till 11 p.m. So, Mark, who is taking the headline slot at Butchfest? The headline slot at Butchfest is going to be a bloke who's going to need probably more than two and a half hours, I should think. Or or would would swallow it up easy and that'd be Prince. Ah, Prince. Love it. So, Prince headlines... Butchfest. So, why Prince? And why is your why is he your headliner? Um, I mean, where you start? It's just again, you you've got this incredible musicianship, incredible showmanship. Um, a guy who you know could could write a hit in his sleep. You know, mm. the hooks and melodies and choruses. Um, you know, and in the great tradition of of, of guys like James Brown. Um, and uh, the time and people like that that came before him, could, you know, just could could make a room bounce, you know, um, with the with the with, with energy. Um, you got the dance moves, you just everything. Guitar playing, play every instrument on the on the band. Would always have the most kick-ass musicians to to back him up as well. Um, and so yeah, I mean that's just. And like I said, he could he could he could play hits for four hours, you know, and it, there wouldn't be a song that people didn't know, you know, in that, in that amount of time. Um, incredible canon and stuff, and just a, just a guy who knew how to work it, and uh, yeah, and everyone would go home happy, I believe. They, they certainly would. One of my big, <laughs> one of my big regrets, music regrets, is that I, have, I had tickets in my basket to go and see Prince at the Roundhouse in Camden when he, oh, he was doing an, he was doing an early show and a late show, and I had tickets for the early shows, and I had two tickets in my basket, and I let them go, and that, that is one of my big, my one of my big, big life regrets. 
Uh, is there any kind of period that you want to you, that you want to play with Purple Rain, Sign of the Times, Emancipation, or again you just want to hear, you just want to be bombarded with with hits? Just, but I saw him when he did his whatever, what was it, forty something nights. Oh yeah, did at, um, the O2. The O2. I went twice, um, and one of the one of the nights was one of those nights where you were in the mud at the O2, and and, and the other one was was you know pristine. You could hear everything. So I mean, even so, he was a lot. A long way between sort of hit albums by then, um, I guess. But he he was still able to. Well, I say able. He still reproduced anything going back to things like controversy in the eighties or whatever, right the way through, um, with exactly the same sort of vim and and, and and fire as he would have been able to back then. So it, it kind of doesn't matter with him. I don't think he was diminished in any way by the by the years going by. I mean, obviously, we didn't know that he was he was slowly wearing himself mm. to nothing um, but no I don't think it really matters there in fact the later the better because you've got more track, more tunes to choose from absolutely <laughs> absolutely good way of looking at it so Prince headlines Butchfest he'll play from half eight to eleven so we'll get to eleven o'clock and then Prince will get the Style Council back out Aretha Franklin Jimi Hendrix and David Bowie they all get to join Prince to play one song that can be any song ever recorded so i'm fully aware that this is a massive massive choice because there were just thousands and thousands of songs that you could pick but what are you going to have all your artists play for your final song and be the encore at your fantastic okay i've got two things written down here i know which one i'm going to choose in the end but i'll say that the first one i had written down was, was love's in need of love today by stevie wonder from songs in the key of life which is just, just such a, a, a gorgeous melody, um, gorgeous words, gorgeous sentiment, and with all those great vocalists and artists up on the stage, it would just be epic. And by the end of it, you know, you'd be singing it all the way back and you'd fly it back to back to the UK. But, but it doesn't. It didn't quite make it because um, I was while I had had the old iPad on uh, the iTunes on shuffle the other day. Um, this live version of. Um, a medley of tracks by Bob Marley and the Whalers popped on and uh, from the Babylon by Bus album they do, they do a mashup of um, War and No Trouble um, and I just thought wow that's, that, it's just so perfect it's got the, you know, an incredible sort of beat you know, you know everybody's just stomping all the way through through this tune um, and you've got this, the, the sentiment about until the colour of a man's skin is of no more significance than the colour of his eyes in the in the war half, and then in the in the no trouble half, you've got you know the, the refrain of we don't need no trouble, all we need is love. And I thought, well, that, that does it for me. So that's what it's going to be. It'll be Bob Marley's medley, live medley of um, war and no trouble that the uh, the band would close the festival with. Great choice, love it. Fantastic way to end a fantastic festival so let's lock it in so you can still make any changes that you want until we lock this bad boy in so we're gonna lock this bad boy in now we've never had anyone change uh, a lineup but you are more than welcome to do so if we're going through it and something doesn't click right so we have got butch fest taking place at the antigua recreation ground in your opening act we've got Stull council in your super seconds act we've got aretha franklin midway madness we've got Jimi hendrix who'll be playing his axis boulders love album in your pre-headline slot we've got david bowie followed by Prince, who headlines Butchfest. And for the encore, all of those acts will come out and play a medley of War and No Trouble. Mark Butcher, are you happy to lock in your Fantastival? Lock that bad boy down. 
<laughs> Amazing. So that is locked in. So before we wrap up then, Mark, what do the what do the next couple of weeks and months have in store for you? Is it going to be more cricket? Like you said, you've got a lot of songs written down um, that you've yeah. written. What, what do the next couple of months look like? Well, I'm, I'm going to be in Sri Lanka until the, England's got two test matches. The second one finishes on the 26th of, uh, of January. And then since I've been here um, in, in my quarantine, I've recorded a couple of demos. I've got a couple more songs to sort of ping back to, to the producer back home. Um, but since I've been here, I, I was asked if I would continue uh, because it's easier for me to, to, to get into countries if I don't go back to the UK, because obviously we are on Plague Island at the moment. <laughs> so I've been asked if I'll, if I'll follow the England team to, uh, to India, um, down on the, the southeast coast, down at uh, down Chennai, formerly Madras, and go and do the first two test matches of that series out there. Um, so I'm trying to sort of get visas and stuff sorted out and, and rearrange my travel plans. Um, and then I'll eventually end up back at, back at home again and probably into another quarantine. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Around about the, uh, the 17th or 18th of, um, of Feb. Um, so that's what the sort of the immediate, the next one, where are we? That's probably about four or five weeks um, have in store. And then, you know, after that, who knows? Like, we've got, I reckon, probably three quarters of, of the albums have, of, of the new songs have got now got live drums on. Um, then it'll be a case of sort of recording non-guide vocals on all of these things and we'll, we'll take it to the to the record company and see if uh, see if they fancy putting it out for us again so hopefully that'll happen sometime in march i guess and then you know april rolls around and the previous season starts back up again brilliant brilliant i look forward to hearing those new tracks so if anyone's listening and wants to find you on social media um how would someone find mark butcher on social media um i got a, a, a facebook page uh, for music which is markbutchermusic.com i'm on twitter at, uh, at markbutcher72 and um the, the the music and stuff is all is also available on um www.markbutchermusic.com our website so yeah check it out please absolutely yeah like mark said please do the now playing album's excellent that i listened to earlier today he's also got songs from the sun house which you can stream or you can buy from mark's website like he just said so that is it thank you for listening to the 34th episode of the fantastical podcast and if if you've enjoyed the podcast please subscribe give the podcast a review on itunes if that's how you're listening if not give us a follow on spotify or anchor or on your podcast provider and we're also on Twitter, so give us a follow at Fantastical P, or you can email us at fantasticalpodcast at outlook.com. Unfortunately, on a podcast, you can't play music, as it would be great to get some of Mark's acts intertwined with his comments, but we do have a Fantastical Spotify playlist, so I'll get a few tracks from Mark, and I'll whack them onto our Spotify playlist. So a huge thank you to my 34 Fantastical Podcast friend, Mr. Mark Butcher. Mark, how have you found kind of, you know, going through your musical taste and collating your fantasy festival? Uh, it's uh, unbelievably frustrating because you, <laughs> you, know, if you, as you do, you're a big music fan, right? So there is a certain amount of your identity is kind of, mm. um, is, 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 is caught up in the, in the music that you like or the music that you tell people you like. You know, we, we all have stuff that we don't tell people we listen to. Um, and so, you know, being forced to, uh, to leave out so much stuff, so many records, so many um, artists. It's, it's, it's a really cool thing of you to have done. So, <laughs> so I despise you for it. Thanks, thanks so much, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Mark. Now you've got a great line up there. One to be very proud of, and one that is locked in the vaults. 
of the fantastical forever. So thank you for, for doing that, Mark. I appreciate you in Sri Lanka. It's been great fun talking to you. So I'll be back soon with episode number 35. So please make sure to join me. But until then, stay safe, my fantastical friends. Please continue to spread the word. And that word is fantastical. Mm-hmm.